You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. I am here in mourning. Uh-oh, Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody. How's it going? All right. 24-week, Brad Wren. Hey, everybody. And welcome back, Bobby Jonas. How's it going? It's been a while. It's been a long time. On the show today, we will be looking forward to the Daytona 24 hours and looking back at the membership site. The iRacing Coke Series silly season kicks off with some new changes, and we'll see how iRacing might be cracking down on cheaters. That's right, Mike. And if you join us on iRacersLounge.com and select show notes, you'll be able to see all these great stories and products we'll be discussing on today's show. So log in, iRacersLounge.com, check it out, and we'll see you there. Dearly beloved, we have gathered here today to pay homage to the member site. Can you play taps here? I won't play taps. I'll, I'll play something. I'm there is something sad playing right now, but I, I that's a military thing for me, so I will not play taps. Uh, so what do you guys think? I mean, they really did neuter it, didn't they? I'll be honest, I I have not used it since I came back last year, so to me it was no big deal. In all honesty, it's gone and they've replaced it with a different kind of web interface, which is basically the UI in a web browser that you can get to without opening the UI. Uh, you cannot register for a race with that option, though. You have, but you can find series. You can look at uh, standings. I don't know. I haven't tried to manage a team yet. So there's a lot of features you can't do, uh, can and can't do. But um, you can at least get to it and look and see what's coming up with without opening the interface. There's actually a way to still get to the old style standings and stats. Um, currently without having to go through the new UI browser type. Yeah, if you still go back to the original member site, there's a link for stats and uh, just a few things. Um, there's just a few links left. Um, but boy, we had a nice forum post called uh, Goodbye Old Friend and a lot of folks in there uh, putting in their sentiments. And, you know, even on my uh, browser bookmark tile, the very first one has always been the old member site. And now I'm like, well, maybe I'll just delete it. Now, um, my always my biggest concern was being able to have a, a quick bookmark to get to my series. And that actually, I found that pretty quick. It exists. Uh, so it has not been so bad. And last, last week on the show when we were talking about this, it was still up and running, but now it's completely gone. Um, but it's to me, it was just kind of weird just to click on the membership site and see it completely different than what you're used to seeing for all these years, you know? I mean, I've been using the UI once in a while because, you know, you can only do uh, AI races from the UI. So I've been using it, uh, you know, halfway, you know, most of the time. But uh, it's still, it's kind of shocking to see it look like that. You know, and the 
commentary I've seen in Facebook groups and on Twitter and stuff, there's a lot of people that are saying, man, I don't like the new one. And I see a lot of that this week just because people are being forced to it. Though your favorite thing to post was people saying, where's the old website? And that's basically like, are you living under a rock? Because they've had it plastered. Yeah. They've been announcing it for a year. And those are the same guys that are like, oh, why is I racing down when, when it's patch week, when it's build week? Right. It's week 13, dude. Like if you're an iRacer and you don't know what week 13 is, you're really new or, or yeah, you're just dumb. All right, Brad, this next thing we have up here is something with uh, FIA Motorsports Games. Yep. So the third edition of the FIA Motorsports Games in Valencia, Spain this year, which will be October 23rd through the 27th, will feature a hugely expanded esports program with two gold medals up for grabs across two separate game titles. So opportunity for, uh, you know, we're going to go ahead and get some more sim racing and uh, involved in the esports. And I'm guessing since it, it has, says FIA official and iRacing official that iRacing is one of those titles. Yep. It is. Um, th they did it this last October, and um, it was only the GT cars, but now they're at adding open wheel for the next year, the second annual. Uh, they have over 24 sims on stage where up, uh, if over 100 people competing uh, in the event. Uh, should be pretty cool. All right, Mike, well, I know you gonna, said you want, yeah, I know you want this next one, Coke Series Draft. Well, just because there's a lot of info, um, the draft is taking place this week. It's really only three days, I think, is the period of time, Tuesday, Wednesday, and today. And, and here we are at 5 p.m. Mountain Time on Thursday, and a majority of the drivers have not been announced. That means they have to be announced by midnight tonight, or at least signed, I guess. Uh, or that's my understanding of the process. But we do have some information that has come out up until this point, and so I'll read that off now. We got a new team called BS Plus Competition. I actually have not heard of them until now. They're an esports team. They announced one driver so far, Garrett Lowe. Team Conti has announced that their proposal to enter the series has actually been rejected. Um, and so they are not going to be participating as a front-end team, but they are going to have a couple drivers represented on the backside running their sets. Jim Beaver and Beaver Motorsports are out after five seasons. They are not uh, back. We have a new team called Nitro Circus Sim Racing Team. We've heard of Nitro Circus before. They announced drivers Dylan Duvall and newcomer Matthew Zwack. And then Spire Motorsports. They're everywhere right now. And they have a new Coke team. And they quickly announced Malik Ray and Casey Kerwin. They also announced David Childhouse is the general manager of the team. Other driver news was RFK Racing announced uh, Timothy Holmes and Colin Bowden. Pioneers GG announced Wyatt Tinsley returns, and they added Graham Bolin. In other news that came out, the 2024 contender is different than we thought. Top 20 no longer locks you into Coke necessarily. The top 30 just to have a shot to be picked in the free agency. Um, and so 
Imagine winning the contender title and getting stuffed as a backup driver to the following season because second through 21st were more marketable than you. Say a team guy wins the, the title and gets chosen in free agency, he could pretty easily sell his teammate who finished 30th in points to them with some solid arguments. This guarantees that at least one top 20 driver doesn't make it. So there's a lot of scenarios. So basically the draft allows them to pick anyone in the top 30 and um yeah and then the others are, are uh, backup drivers so to speak this is absolute crap and it, it basically is we want the drivers that can bring more money so it's it's now going to become just like real life buy your ride is what it's going to become or or popularity contests which is similar but that's how buy your ride works so, essentially if can they can they bring enough exposure and, and sponsorship money. How many followers you have, like if you, yeah. a Haley Deegan kind of thing, right? Effect. Did I not call this a few years ago with, with the Coke series? I, it's going to become a who can buy a ride. Exactly. And I, I felt nervously uh, pessimistic about it, I guess, or skeptical, thinking, no, they won't do this, knowing that they might. And yeah, it, you, you did call it. You know, so I kind of wonder when was this decided? If you remember, as the season was winding down, I mean, there was so much emphasis put on being in the top twenty. Look, it's not for this season; it's for next. Look at the the box uh, that's pasted in here, the white box. It's for season twenty twenty five Coke. So they're really referring to the Road to Pro that's starting up now. So this is a change going forward; doesn't affect the current season. But, you know, if everyone knows the rules going into it, I think that's fair. They're announcing it ahead of time. But but to everyone's point, what if you're what if you win this? What if you win the contender series, the Xfinity series and nobody picks you? I mean, what kind of disgrace is that? Or top two, top ten. Any, right. any top of three. Them. Yeah, Ugh, I don't like that. It's it's. It's basically, it's no longer race your way in, it's buy your way in, and it's going to spread. It's going to go to the Coke series, and you're only going to be riding if you bring money. Well, wait a minute. Let's let's clarify. Uh, buy your way in. I don't think these drivers are going to be bringing money to the teams and paying that's, them. That's what the teams, the teams have to pay to be teams in the Coke series. That's how they're coming up with a $300,000 prize pool. It's coming from the teams. They're paying a large entry fee. Okay. So right. they're now going to say, all right, we want the drivers who can re re recoup that. Right. I don't know. I don't know if they'll ask the drivers to pay that, but instead of asking them for money, is it like I said, the Haley Deegan effect, even though Haley doesn't bring money, she has potential sponsorship. She has uh, people that are interested in sponsoring her. He, she has a huge Instagram audience and so forth. Bringing well, that's what David's referring to. Bringing the sponsorships is what is how she brings the money. The drivers in, in truck and Xfinity have to bring their own sponsors. No owner anymore gets a sponsor and says, all right, now I'm going to go get the driver they want. They say, how much money can you bring me? And it's the same way in IMSA. It's like, how much money can you bring me? And that's what Dave was referring to. You're going to have to monetize your streaming and Twitter and X, or was it, I guess X now, but like Facebook. That's all going to matter. So 
I'm not going to name names, but there was a discussion this week on social media about a particular uh, wannabe pro driver who has a lot of social problems and um, sometimes getting protested in iRacing and different uh, events that might not, you know, be good for a Coke driver or having a team pick. And, and someone had speculated that this iRacing new rule is based on that guy. Like they didn't want a situation where he was in the top 20 in points and a team had to pick him. What do you think about that? Is it, you, I don't know. That, it might be stretching it, but uh, what is iRacing's motivation for doing this? I guess is the question I'm putting out. Money. Well, and if you're using these guys' popularity on social media, it's going to help grow it as well. I think we go any further, we'll just keep going in circles. So let's move on. Let's talk sim to your real car stuff. This is a post from Vern Clockus, and he talks about how his real world driving has changed since starting sim racing. Uh, he's noticed a few things in the real car that he does. First of all, driving better because positioning the car better, timing traffic better. Um, and when he drives thing, fast, things are improved as well. Uh, I think accident avoidance, I have avoided wrecks that I probably wouldn't have in the past, uh, particularly in Memphis out on the freeway. It's, it, it can be uh, bump, bumper cars slash Frogger out there. Yeah, um, we, we have seen a story similar to this where guys have talked about accident avoidance, but this this is a little different. You know, talking about his normal, normal driving, not necessarily um, – reaction time stuff that might have been um, developed a little bit through sim racing. I think the one of the posters talked about that really rang with me was left foot braking in a real car. Like if when I'm in sim, I'm left foot braking all the time. But if I get in my real car and try to put my left foot on the brake, I feel like I'm in a wreck. I mean, I, I, I feel like I'm not in control. It's not in the right pl place usually in the, <laughs> compared to where it is on the rig. And it doesn't, it's um, almost too catchy. And you're also not slowing a car down from 150 to 200 miles an hour. You're slowing down from 55. You're also not trying to slam on the brakes and send everything in your car flying forward every time. That's a good point. I, I think people forget just how violent, you know, racing a, a GT3 car can be when you're in there and you're stomping on those pedals to try to get them to take, you know. All right, next up is a Coke series document. Well, we kind of discussed this. We hit on the big change that's in this document. Everything else is pretty much the same, but I, um, the link is out there. If you're interested in Road to Pro, uh, you need to be in this document. You need to understand it and memorize it because you got to live by these rules if you're going to run the, if you're going to run eNASCAR. All right, Brian, XRX is still coming to iRacing, according to, to Mr. Myers. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so last week we talked about how, or two weeks ago maybe, uh, how SRX uh, was uh, closing shop up. And, they, you know, we were speculating whether iRacing was going to go ahead with their project because they had um, scanned the cars this past summer. So um, somebody asked Steve Myers on Twitter if, uh, if SRX is still coming, and he confirmed, yeah. So they're still 
moving forward with the SRX car in iRacing. He says it's a should still be something that's really fun for both uh, pavement and dirt tracks. Um, and he says it's a it's a bummer for all for for iRacing because of all the promotion that uh, SRX had uh, said that they were going to help with uh, with iRacing uh, bringing SRX to the sim. So so yeah, so it is a bit of a bummer that SRX is gone. Um, but it, also at the same time, you know. If if you're so interested in it, um, it's going to be available. I'm just my my curiosity be, would be how how interested people are going to be doing it, being that it's a, a extinct series at this point. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I I don't see myself buying this for sure because it's an extinct series. I mean, just because of that, I I don't think I will be participating, even though it looks like it's fun and stuff. I just don't think a lot of people will be buying the car. It'll be. Uh, Remember the Porsche electric car, the Mission R? It'll be like that. So let me uh, let me ask a question. Since they, I guess the the announcement from SRX was they were pausing 2024. Would it behoove them to maybe try to do something once this is released virtually? Well, here's a couple of background items. I know Bobby has some of the information, but we also got some from a from Adam in in the chat uh camping world apparently according to sources started five million in the hole at the beginning of the year right um camping world built them out for about three mil and then a vermont race got flooded and um as well as the hotels and everything and the track said it was good to go and there was something along the lines of the uh, the head whoever was running the day-to-day operations at srx pulled the plug on the race and that caused uh, thunder road to lose about 1.5 million from an high racing standpoint it makes sense to release the car because they can help recover some of the cost of development with sales um and hopefully enough people are running i think there'd be a big use for it in the dirt community um that it'll keep some interest generated in srx hopefully for when they do return maybe in 2025 and the going theory was that the purchase of iroc was to help SRX financially. Not related. That's what I've heard. Ray's doing his own thing. He's even got a TV deal now, I heard. I want an IROC car scanned. I guess the question is, which IROC car is he going to be running, or is it just going to be a mix of all the old cars that was in the photo? I The way I read it, he was gonna, they're running the old cars, or at least for now. He has them. All right, Steve Myers has also announced on Twitter that the new Mustang Dark Horse and the Toyota Camry are cup cars are already being worked on. Yay. So, Bobby, I thought I'd take this moment to see what if uh, you can provide us an update on the date on the, the Gen 7 paint jobs for 2024. I think you've been kind of waiting for this to finish. So I've got most of ours done on the flat templates I use for real designs. Um, I would imagine that iRacing is probably already got them done, if not in the final stages for art. I would I would not release them until after the 24 because you don't want to take away from the hype and the momentum from the Rolex. I'd probably sometime right after the Rolex, we'll see a release of them, at least the templates. Next week. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe after the Rolex. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what you come up with. I mean, this last uh, year's paint job, 2023, ended up printed and framed 
three foot by two foot in my living room. So um, you got big shoes to fill this year. Yeah, I've actually got a couple uh, requests for a few more of those from the guys. That's why I'm just waiting for the new cards to come out. I think it'd be cool to do them in them. All right, Brad, is it the worst or best crash ever? Yeah, so Devin Racing Sim it, uh, posted this. It's the the rig he's got is it's pretty wild. I mean, it's full full motion, and it's I think it's him at Bristol, and uh, you know he decides to go ahead and spin out and crash. And if you watch the video, I can't imagine even riding this thing. Yeah, this is Denver Racing Sim out of Denver, Colorado, where you can go and rent these by the hour. Um, and they they constantly sell out every night. I follow them on Instagram. But yeah, boy, it's this is general dynamic uh, motion sim. This is like a creme de la creme. You know, your cockpit's like way up in the air, and you're and it'll go in circles and the whole nine yards. So uh, it does everything. And yeah, he just slams it into into the wall as fast as he can going down the straight, not even trying to turn and just crash it as hard as he could and just to see what would happen. And boy, it sure does uh, jolt him around. When I saw this, I was thinking about, I can't imagine a rally crash. What's so cool about this motion rig too is it can recreate like the back end is down, the front end is up. You know, it's got every degree of motion that you could possibly do. So if you crash one of those bad enough, are they going to start making a sign of crash waiver? I'm, I would guess. I mean, because this is a place of business that they, they have them sign some kind of release or something of liability before you're allowed to do it. What about actually if you crash it so hard it damages the rig? Because if you do a driving experience and you crash the car, you're liable for damages. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. You, I would hope General Dynamics motion rig... Uh, there's nothing, you know, in, no input that could be thrown at it that would destroy it. You would hope it would be designed that way. All right, let's move on to uh, some some uh, fresh iRacing and uh, IndyCar news, Brian. Yeah, so um, we uh, all talked uh, a long time in last week about uh, Indianapolis and um, the IndyCar series coming back to iRacing and what great news that was. Well, um, the president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, um, Jay Douglas Bowles, he introduced uh, the IndyCar coming back with a new partnership with iRacing with a short video on his Twitter or actually on Indianapolis Motor Speedway's Twitter site. So, yeah, so he's like uh, sitting in the sim, announces the uh, partnership that iRacing is uh, and IndyCar are back together again, and then he turns some laps at Indy in the iRacing. So it was pretty cool to see. Not a bad lap. A 39.677 is respectable for sure. Um, yeah, I like this. I like how IndyCar management is embracing this partnership they're putting it out on social media they literally have a cockpit with fanatec gear and stuff in the offices i love it i think this next one is the most important topic for our show considering the youth that is displayed on our video chat right now what do you think brad <laughs> there's no youth in here but 
youngest guy to 10K. So at 14 years old, Joel Smith became the youngest member of the iRacing 10K iRating Club and Asphalt uh, Oval Racing. So um, look at this. He started back out, uh, started his journey in iRacing uh, back in 2019 um, at only nine years old. Uh, and there's a picture of him with a pillow behind himself in his GTR rig, uh, just helping him try to reach the pedals that he never thought he would accomplish uh, reaching 10K iRating. Uh, but he did it. So that's, again, 14 years old. Phenomenal. So when Holy is he cow. allowed to run Road to Pro? I'll have to look at that document. There's, I'm sure there's an age uh, restriction of some kind. But I'm just looking at this kid. He's only 14. And he just think about that a little bit. He's at 10K. I mean, is he the next, you know, William Byron? Is he the next, you know, uh, you know somebody like that? Definitely possible. We're about to have a six-year-old teammate before too long here. My yeah, son's got Zach running. Yeah, he's. We just thought finished his chassis, and his computer's about ready to get uh, Windows installed. All right. Well, I, I think this this story proves that Zach could do the same thing. I mean, why not? He's, you know, he's around racing his whole life. Uh, you know, you work in racing and you do all kinds of stuff like that, Bobby. There's no reason to think he won't be the same. Yeah, he needs to go play golf. That's, that's where the money a, is, right? Yeah, but that's not any cheaper either. Trust me. All right. Next up, we have a question about changing your name. And essentially, uh, the reply uh, uh, comes from Kim Berry on the staff. And it says that you have to use complete first and last names, and it's in the terms of service. You can request a, a name change, and he, and he lists some, or she lists some uh, reasons that that might be okay like the credit card's not not in your name you can request it for that reason or if you're under the age of majority um you'll need to provide parental consent you can change your name you can add or remove middle name misspelled characters if you'd like to use a different version of your first name if you'd like to change for confidentially or private confidentiality or privacy reasons, so probably a lot of your celebrities might have a, a, a ghost account of some sort, or if your name legally changed. So, you know, she they have a very detailed policy, and so I was thinking about all those stories that we've had on the show where we talk about iracer names that aren't quite real, you know, <laughs> like. Uh, I can't think of any off the, the top of my head, but we've all seen them before, right? And um, we know that that there's no way that that's that person's real name. So I guess my question is, why have it both ways? Well, there's an exception for every rule, and then there's 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 a good reason for wanting everybody to race with their real name. That it, it it believe it or not, as toxic as we think the lobby in in chat can get. Uh, go get on any regular gaming server and 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 um, where people are anonymous and listen to what they say right um, so it's good for the average Joe to basically be, be under their direction but there are probably some people who who the the need for the protection uh, uh, is validated and outweighs that the other issues. I'm talking about the fun names, you know, the ones that are just for tongue in cheek. I'm not talking about a hey, Donald Trump is on iRacing and he's trying to, you know, run by a pseudonym name. That's a little different. 
but uh yeah the the fun names uh and that kind of stuff yeah i'm glad iRacing doesn't let just anybody use gamer tags like pork chop and stuff like that you know i, I like it much better that you know it, it gives it more of a feeling you're racing with real people when you see the real names i think it presents accountability too you know now you a can't reputation. run you can't run a different name in league races yes that's correct and so bobby here's a parental consent and release form that you'd have to do for zach uh, technically since he's under 13 but they have a procedure for everything yeah i mean that's like my credit card would show up with robert even though i mean that's my legal name i go by bobby i sent them my facebook link to show it wasn't a made-up name and they had no problem within i'd say within i don't know two hours of the email they already had it swapped over for me and it'll be the same way as zach so i'll use my credit card robert on it and i'll just email him say i need this chain to change the zach yeah they've been pretty easy to work with i mean when i moved after coming back to the service i moved states so it was pretty easy to get my club association changed even though it doesn't probably mean much anymore back in the day there used to be some sort of something to do with your club and there was some stuff going on there but uh was, you know they told me it would be a week to, before it would change and probably within 45 minutes it was changed all right well did anything change in in woo brian one thing didn't change is that Alex Bergeron can win some races because uh, the World Outlaws were at um, Port Royal this time, week number eight of the series out of ten. Um, the first time the Outlaws in this series has actually raced at Port Royal. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Alex Bergeron uh, wins the whole thing from pole to finish line. Um, I wouldn't say he dominated, but he was he was never really challenged either. So, uh a fourth win of the season for Alex Bergeron. So for somebody who's won a lot of races, he's still um, trailing in the points because he had a couple really bad weeks. So, um, so after uh, this week, we see that um, Ryan Avila is still in the lead with uh, Aiden Forrester, who was three points behind coming into this week, uh, who's now nine points behind. And uh, Logan Rumsey rounds up the top three in points. Um, uh, again, uh, Ryan Avila finished second in this race, who was on, on Alex's heels, but never really could really uh, push him. So um, there you go. It's just another consistent finish for Ryan. And that's, that's why he's leading this series. He hasn't won a race this year but um just consistent top finishes has get, has gotten the job done so far um even C, um finished third in the race and aiden forrester who's uh, third and second in points finished fourth so solid finish for him as well but uh you know if you keep pulling off these top two finishes like ryan's been doing um he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna hold this to the end uh with just two weeks left in the season uh we're looking at uh it's still still real tight you know anything can happen uh um alex bergeron is uh moved into fourth place with this win but you know he's still 72 points out of the lead so he's got to have a lot of help to try to win another title it seems to me these points championships these world of outlaws it's almost more dependent on your bad finishes and how many of those you have versus how many good ones you have. And it almost feels like they need a drop week. Um, Alex Bergeron, I think, completely missed an event. I think he had a disconnect or something. I don't remember what it was, but he missed the main or something on one week. And that's just killed him in the points. And if they had drops, I just think it would be a better representation of 
you know, the people that are winning are higher up in points. Yeah, I get you. Um, yeah, there are no drop weeks um, in this series. Uh, you got to be consistent. Uh, that's the key to the game. If you if you miss the if you miss the um, feature, uh, you're going to lose seventy points to whoever wins that race. So that's a huge chunk uh, to lose. All right, uh, Brad. We've got it. Looks like a a replay from a previous twenty four hour event, which is relevant because it's that time. Yeah, so Luke Crane had posted on X, uh, throwback to the greatest save in our racing 24-hour uh, race of all times. And uh, so it looks like coming through the kink before you get to, I guess, I've said carousel, but I guess it's maybe the second horseshoe. Uh, but a guy goes off track and actually goes on an access road behind the Armco, spins all the way through what would have been the uh, the campground, and then comes back out on the other side. So pretty pretty exciting um, and a great save. So yeah, as we uh, get ready to, as a team, um, you know, get ready for the 24 hours. Uh, just a, a good reminder that you may think your race is done, but if you shoot the gap right, you'd be okay. Well, I don't think the campers thought that was a great save. He, you know, he didn't hit anything. And as long as the teammates didn't actually see it and they weren't in the server, they won't even know. I just get back on the track and keep going. And uh, yeah, we're going to get a good finish. But man, we, we had another practice race. Let's talk about that, David. Uh, you adjusted the AI a bit. And uh, I think it was a successful practice race. It's it's just it's good to get some experience racing in traffic, though they're still not not behaving like real race drivers do on the GT side or GTP side. Um, every once in a while, there's a GTP if that you're if you're running beside him on the on the front stretch, he'll just turn right into you. I mean, you're running wheel to wheel, and he'll just bump you out of the way because he wants to take a better racing line into turn one. Yeah, um, I mean, I told the guys that are on on our team we're running the GT3, and I just told them I said, "Look, I said servers are open all week for practice. Go find the 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 most, go find a server that has the most people in it. That way, you get used to understanding what cars are around you. So, yeah, the AI is it's okay, um, but really bad at the bus stop. I mean, almost coming to a stop at times just to get through the bus stop is just it's too hard to to to, to run competitively." We got we got some information through it uh, and shook down a different set and um, yeah it, it was good practice. I've been running IMSA quite a bit uh, this week. We've been iced in all week. We finally go back to school tomorrow, but uh, it um, that's the best experience. But not everybody in the team has a class A. We we also shook got shook down a new driver for our car, Joe Owen, who. Uh, has some sight issues. Um, basically, he got he had a stroke in his eyeballs, and and he has a vision problem and a really hard time seeing. He actually contacted iRacing and told them about his disability, his new disability, and uh, they adjusted the colors and stuff. Uh, Bobby, do you know any more about that? I do actually. Uh, go ahead. Uh, they widened out the racing line for him and um what he i mean he knows the, how to run daytona he knows the directions but what the the colors of the racing line are doing is allowing is making it easier for him to find the landmarks that he's basically that's how he's going to see his landmarks now on breaking points he can see cars fine but the little 
five, four, three, two, one signs and stuff like that are are just not visible to him. So he's using he's using that, and they've widened it out where he can see it at day and night, and even when a car is right in front of him. So yeah, he contacted iRacing, and they've got a code that he can put in, and it, there's some f- extra features that aren't open to the normal public that are for disability, and they verify it, and they send him the stuff to work with, and he can. There's some other options he can change to help him out too. There's nothing performance gaining out of it. It's just visually, it gives him an easier time getting around the sim. Yeah, I was I was wondering if they actually had some high contrast options where you could just kind of throw uh, realism as far as visual realism out the window and make everything almost block colors, right? And I mean, you probably high contrast. That. You probably could do that with some separate software. I got the impression that he talked about that because initially Joe said I could only run during the day, but after the changes that iRacing made, he said no problem running night now. Yeah, and I don't know what Joe uses for a video car, but I know with like the, uh, I think it's NVIDIA's got an overlay or their their G experience or whatever, you can go in and adjust uh, contrast and everything too. So that may be an option. So you're probably thinking, why are we hiring a blind man to drive our car? Well, he's fast. He's actually a second and a half faster than I was. So um, Joe is a great driver. And he knows they tell him like the back of his hand. We've raced a lot over the years, last 10 years or so together at Daytona. All right. If you want a job, you might call iRacing, Brad. Yep. So iRacing is recruiting a quality assurance tester. Uh, Alex Gustafson uh, has a job posting uh, for a quality assurance tester. So it's taking someone that can uh, work alongside developers, customer support, and alpha testers to perform testing across uh, iRacing. Um, and then I guess with the monster games, you know, the multiple platforms and stuff. So if that's something you think you're interested in, there's an option there for somebody to go ahead and apply. Uh, would be interesting. That's literally drive iRacing for a living. It's basically what you're doing. But you, but you gotta, you know, give good feedback, you know, to be a, a tester. And it's not racing for fun. It's doing, a, it's like testing. And what did drivers hate before all the testing got banned? They hated testing days, right? Because you're just out there driving in circles and setting lap times and trying this little change here and this little change there. So that you gotta enjoy it, but at the same time, it can become tedious and possibly take the love out of the eye racing. All right, DJ EJ posted a video, and I didn't watch this one, but just reading the caption, I can tell you basically he's sort of kind of basically right. He speculated that the new switch on iRacing may have an element of preventing cheaters, and that is actually what they said. They specifically said in their statement, this allows us to use better anti-cheat software. But did anybody get a watch of the video? Yeah, I mean, that's basically what he's talking about. Um in a, in a long, long around about a way, but yeah, um, he's saying that that is the reason that, um, you know, the change has been made. And so I thought we would just bring that up again because there is a lot of angst over it this week. Yeah. Um, and he, he also mentioned that's why he thought that, um, iRacing has been forcing you to use the uh, UI for, for the day 24 in years past. Um, so that may, maybe that has something to do with it. Another thing he mentioned that is kind of funny, but but it could be true, is that now that iRacing is switching over to UI, keep an eye out for guys who aren't nearly as fast as they used to be. <laughs> they could pop 
ones that were having who were who had some uh, cheating issues. Now that's a little bit of speculation there, but uh, yeah, we'll have to see if people are suddenly slower. I doubt it. That's the case, though. Uh, as far I'll disagree with him about the special events, though. Um, over the last couple of years or so, the special events they've turned off the website during special events. And the reason I remember during the show we've covered, uh, the reason they were doing that was because when people were joining through the website and the UI at the same time for a big event, it was messing up the uh, server that queues all the people up. There was something to do with that. And they needed all the entries to come through one system to, to basically correct it. So that was the reason I think that they were doing it on special events. Yeah, and before we leave this, uh, some of the posts that you were posting, people were mentioning not being able to use their triples. And so if you're listening, you probably already know this because you're a little bit more uh, vetted in, in the software world. But the configuration file that iRacing uses is actually a different file when you when you went through the website than it is through the through the um through the inter the ui so you could actually have different settings for each and that's that's basically what happened i think i think the ui has a separate file for windowed and a separate file for vr and a separate file for xr whereas in the in the old web version it was all in one file yeah it's the dx monitor or whatever so i think i had mentioned in the chat you know when the um i launched i don't know a few weeks ago or whatever the test session and i was like all oh, my stuff is jacked and that's why because the test session launches from the website versus the ui so it's a completely different uh, i and i file i think i ended up copying and pasting or something to get them to match at, at some point i don't recall either that or just put it all in the same yeah you could just basically copy and paste is what i did all right, we've got an F3 story, Mike. It's new iRacer Max Esterson, who uh, had won a world championship in sim racing. I can't remember exactly what that was. He has been moving into I, uh, real racing. He just won the uh, Lamborghini World Challenge, I think it's called. Uh, won the championship there and now has scored a ride in Formula 3 in 2024 for Jenzer, one of the better teams over there. He is literally on the path to F1. Uh, this might be the next American in F1, as far as we know. Anyway, he's getting a lot of promotion from iRacing this week uh, about uh, his new job. And uh, he clearly, he has iRacing sponsorship as well. And he's got a banner across the top of his helmet that says iRacing. So uh well uh, you know good luck to max i hope he will he runs well all right bobby i think you can probably see this one if you want to get your kid started really early will he will he fit in this ring well bobby's a little too big at this point at <laughs> almost six yeah but i mean and you could start I'll definitely in, play with it though it, it, yeah this one you could probably start in as an embryo right yeah please don't show him to him because i'll have to build it <laughs> Um, yeah, so what we have is a, is, a, is Fastlane fans. He's built a uh, Lego rig, and the, the first thing I was thinking is that would be funny to sit in. And then I, the, about the only way you can tell how tiny it is is if you look at the all of the gears in the in the back. There's a whole bunch of different shifters. 
which I'm not sure what all that's for. This is pretty cool. Uh, I love Legos. I don't really own any, but if, if this was for sale, take my money. I'd buy this in a second. I mean, Bobby, uh, there isn't a kit for this, obviously, but you're heavy into Legos. I mean, could you piece something like this together with what you have? I probably could if I, I don't have a 3D printer to do the steering wheel or the seat yet, but that's coming. Um, yeah, probably. Zach's probably got enough Legos. Pretty cool. Maybe uh, Legos uh, can can make one for sale and uh, they can take my money. I have to do a Lego SimRaps car. All right, next we're going to look at the Pro Series, uh, Road to Pro Series for 2024. Looking at the round one, instead of reading off each track, I'm going to say I see two drafting tracks, if you count Atlanta, and a bunch of mile and a half, and one short track, and Dover. Now, Darlington's on there, so that's not your regular mile and a half. It's, it's a pretty good mix. I guess Charlotte and Texas are going to be your, your mile and a halfers. Yeah, and I always, I always encourage everybody to run this, even if you're not trying to get into Coke. Why not? the The first round is open to everybody. Okay, these are official races; they're open to anybody of any I rating. I do think you have to have a license A, though. And interesting in the round two is the Milwaukee Mile. Lucas Oil Raceway, a couple of nice local, more local truck style tracks, and Chicago Land. That's not the street course. It's the old oval, yeah. Rockingham, who's also not on the schedule, is on there. Doesn't say anything about uh, fixed setups either, right? <laughs> no, they they mixed that. But look, folks, I mean, run these first few races just for fun. I mean the. I usually do the first one or two, and then I, I'm like, eh. And that's probably what I'll do again. They should have posted it up there with with fixed, kind of written in pencil and kind of erased out, where you can see the erase marks and just real faint. And um, what are they using, the uh, trucks for this? Truck, yes. right. So the first section, round one, is open to everybody, and the second part is the top 70 from the first part. And then on the second part, they snake split those top 70. All right. Uh, let's talk some stats from the Roar. Several of us raced the Roar, and we'll talk about that later. There were 146, 7,200 drivers, 452,000 laps, and 1.6 million miles driven. So iRacing says thank you to the, for the, to the community for making the 2024 Roar an awesome event. And then they ask how you did in your race. Yeah, I missed this. Uh, Brad, you ran it once, right? Yeah, yeah, I had a good time. So it, it was good. And I, I think I messaged you guys. I don't know. Again, being gone from the sim for so long, I don't know how this compares numbers-wise, if y'all remember to last year or previous years. Mm, I don't recall. It's probably up, and I bet the LMP3 brought a lot more people out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the last one I did was 15, and... Or maybe 16 it was probably 16 and that's back when we we're using i think the mx5s it was when we were we were using them then i do remember the 24 last year was a record as far as how many people ran the event it was like the biggest ever and i i suspect this year's 24 will will trump that i would anticipate maybe the numbers are better this year because if you remember they added that uh i think the fifth slot the 7 p.m eastern on that sunday so 
Oh, for this roar, right? We had one. Yeah, that's a good slot. point. Yeah, that's a good point. But I do think the the roar is piggybacking off the Daytona twenty fourth. That it's getting, it's it's getting some of their popularity and and translating it to their to that uh, special event. Yeah, I mean, it's season. People want to be in the cars. It's time to go. All right, you were mentioning cars earlier in the previous weeks as well that where low participation can be an issue um and if that is the issue this can happen mike yeah greg west posted in the forums that the formula renault series will end after the current season due to low participation and a modernized open wheel ladder system and so there's no place for the uh f3 car which is fine i never bought this car i kind of felt like it was an outcast. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, the wheel, the open wheel ladder system has just been a, a cluster, I guess, is the way to look at it. But some of the changes they've made recently with some of the cars and stuff, and bringing different things in, like uh, the low end open wheels, like um, the uh, FF fifteen hundred, you know, Formula Ford thing, and, and stuff like that, is really kind of solidified which cars to be you should be running, and this wasn't one of them. So I don't, I don't think people were running it. So uh, plead ignorance here. With Indy coming back, do do we have a viable ladder process with with open wheel? Well, I think that's what they're saying is that now that Indy's coming back, they're going to rework it again. The only thing though is Indy's different because of the ovals, so it's just not. It's not the same monster as the whole rest of the, well, that world, I guess. Well, I mean, you got the IRO4, you got the F4, which was recently rebranded FIA F4, you know, and so that, that car has gained a lot of popularity. But when you look at like F3, that's more of the European feeder system into F1, you know, so we don't really have a ladder to F1. So I don't, I, you know, to answer your question, Brad, no, I don't think it's a complete ladder. I think this is still in progress. Yeah. I'm not sure. Sorry. I'm not sure that with, with uh, fast track, there are ladders. People know what, almost know what they want to go aim straight for as soon as they can get there. And they're literally just run a minimum number of races. So a lot of these middle series for that very reason tend to suffer and, and fall into just a niche. Or you're like me and you get an Indy car or F1 car and you realize, man, I'm over my head. I need to go back to one of the slower cars. And that's what I do. Well, it's not surprising they've stuck with fast track because it seems like it would actually hurt sales in the long run by not having that complete ladder system. Oh, I can remember back in the day. I mean, it was you had to go through a full 13 you know, yep. 12 weeks every time. There was nothing for any sort of promotion. You had to run the entire thing. And I think you were better off for it, to be honest with you. And yeah, I think so. And when you were running the truck season for the first time and then the cup season or the Xfinity season for the first time towards the end, you didn't care about your I rating. You were just like, I'm just going to keep my safety rating. And once it gets there, I'm just, I'm either going to stop racing or whatever. I also think too, that you built up racing the same people 
more every week that way. And I think there was some cleaner racing, but I think there was also more of a sense of community where you did share setups more with maybe a guy you're running for the, against the championships. Um, I know I did. We used to share the two of us that were running for the championship was an Australian guy. Um, and we would share setups because we wanted to win it on track, not something, you know, because one of us couldn't make it because we couldn't have time to do a setup. That's a good point. All right, we'll wrap up the topics with some events. Uh, first, the uh, 24 Hours is actually part of a series sponsored by VCO, and they call it the, the VCO Grand Slam. And that includes the 6 Hours of Glen, Petit Le Mans, the 24 of Daytona, and the 12 of Sebring. So I suppose if you get all wins in all four of those, you have a Grand Slam. Right. Um, and there's another tweet that VCO put out that I didn't get on the script that indicated they also have a plan that whoever wins class top split in any of these races uh, will be invited to uh, participate in the IMSA championship in October with the big boys. So you can race your way in. You don't have to bring a sponsorship and get drafted. Exactly. And so I think this is really freaking cool. Uh, top split winners, you know, are going to be invited into that uh, series. Um, and uh, that's neat that they can race their way in. Wait, 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 wait. They forgot one thing. Williams Esports. Uh, that was that was definitely crickets. I'm gonna, I might have to put that one in there. All right. Uh, we all know the Daytona 25 is coming up. The balance of power has been added. Um, the Caddy lost 0.75% power and is getting 1% less fuel. So that may affect our range. Um, and that'll be interesting. Porsche is losing 2.5% power, and so is the Acura. The only one they didn't touch was the BMW. All right. Um, the, they didn't do anything to the LMP2. They don't need to. 2% less power in the Mercedes, 1.75 from the Porsche and less fuel. Lamborghini, same. Uh, Ferrari, they didn't touch. So your car's safe, Brad. Or it just sucked at the track already anyway. BMW lost some power. Audi lost power and fuel. Lots of grumblings in the forums about the BOP this year. Um, for one, it was a day late getting added to the regular weekly IMSA series because of Martin Luther King Day it was on Monday and they were on holiday, iRacing was, so they didn't get it actually implemented until Tuesday morning. They actually caught grief because they didn't get it out Monday morning. Uh, I thought that was kind of silly. Um, and then I think other people were saying that they basically... Um, nuked the Acura, and then people are not going to run the Acura, and they're they're flooding over to the Cadillac. Well, that's because everybody was saying the Acura was was OP, but they did hit it pretty hard. They not only did they pull two and a half, almost two and a half power, they pulled ten kilograms as well. Added but, ten kilograms. Yeah, um, and that means I mean that means it was getting that much of a better run at Daytona specifically based on what they were seeing in practices and races. Well, I mean, this is no different than the real world. I mean, they'll be working this weekend, um, you know, in practice, you know, with them so to, to set the BOP for two weeks from now, so or a week from now. So, I mean, so what you got to do. So the Acura drivers did not do a good job of sandbagging. 
So let's talk uh, which time are you starting the race? Um, there's different starts. Brad, when are you guys starting? 7 a.m. in case it all goes to crap and then we can try to go off at 11. David? Same thing, one mulligan. All right. And then Brian, you're actually running with Team Fun. Are you guys ready? Yeah, we're uh, doing the same time, 7 a.m. Saturday morning. Team Conti Sim Performance, connecting oval sim racers with some of the best to have competed at the highest level of eNASCAR competition. From our wide variety of setup offerings to our coaching services that help racers reach their fullest potential, TCSP is data-driven, people-focused, and ready to help you fight to the top of the iRacing oval ladder. Check us out at www.teamconti.gg. Podcast housekeeping, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find the podcast. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Get involved in our Discord and get in the conversation. Or check out our show notes at the website, iracerslounge.com. We have merchandise at iracerslounge.shop. Really good hats. I, I literally wear this hat every day. And we are in regular rotation in the Performance Motorsports Network. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, the Gomez will. We've been talking about that in the past. I think I might remember that being one of the ones you were tempted to buy, Mike. Well, they now have uh, version two of their flagship, the uh, Gomez Formula Pro Elite version two. Yeah. You know, they've been around a long time and and they've always been on the version one. So version two has been upgraded um uh, refined you know mr gomez i saw an interview of him at the the sim expo that happened this week and um, he described you know it's this feedback from racers that bought the version one you know they wanted the encoders really bad and so that was something that was missing um they just kind of move stuff around it's not as thick as it used to be it's lighter it's not as heavy as it used to be and so uh it's incremental updates like any wheel should be but uh man it's nice it's gonna uh, carry the same price point too as the original out of curiosity which is what i think it was 1200 uh donnie has his wheel uh, version one but he got the version without the screen um and then overtake gg who was also at the sim racing expo they got a, a full blown article on it uh with pictures and everything because they were at the expo and they got their hands on it and so forth so uh it's a beauty that's ultimately laid out and i like the fact that that all the buttons you can get to without taking your hand off the wheel um that is the one thing with the with the one that i have is that there's some wheel buttons in the middle that you don't get to without taking your hand off the wheel. And that's, you can do it in a straightaway, but that's about it. Next up, Brian, we have rig insanity. Yeah, this was uh, basically a review or um, a setup 
actually, in the video for Boosted Media, Will Ford over there, got his hands on a, a Motion Systems QSV 20, four degree of, feed, of freedom uh, motion rate. So, yeah, this is a, a massive, um, massive system that is, uh, you know, in the video, it's really just him setting it up and building it. He's going to do a follow-up video of him actually in the rig and testing it out. Um, but he did did get it together. He um, he did get it moving, but without him in it. So he set it up to his, uh, set up the software, put it on his computer, and 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 did some motion movement in the rig. And this thing has really got a lot of a lot of movement. So it's one of the ones with four giant actuators sits you high off of the ground. A lot of motion to it. Um, you know, he was showing you like if you hit the brakes, how hard it pitches forward and uh, pulls back when you're on the accelerator. Um, but uh, I don't know if he was afraid to get in it. It kind of looked like he was scared to get in it without testing it first because uh, it might have thrown him out or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's an amazing system. And uh, if you want to check it out, see what it looks like, go to Boosted Media, and he'll show you how, to set, how he sets it up. Yeah, I can't wait for the next video. I mean, uh, his excitement, his giddiness is contagious. I mean, if you're into sim racing, uh, these videos are fun to watch, you know, as he's and it's massive, like it showed up in this giant crate and and to, to put it together. I mean, you have to like lift the cockpit like up in the air, like two and a half, three feet and like screw it onto the actuators. And I think there's three actuators. There's one in the back, two in the front and like him and his buddy were like trying to lift it up and they couldn't. So they had to like improvised by putting empty boxes and foam and packing material underneath it to kind of prop it up into the air so they could screw the nuts down. Yeah, it was like saw horse or something or something like that he was had set up. But yeah, it's it's a massive system. And uh, I think it's his brother actually who helps him out with this stuff. And uh yeah, it's 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 a, it's an amazing looking rig. Um but I I haven't seen a price on it, but it's it's uh Trust me, it's it's up there, whatever it is. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch the next video on that one. All right, Brad, next we got a 499 racing dashboard, and it's a software dashboard. Yep, so Nick uh, EBS introduces the free 499 racing dashboard that's built in with within SimHub. Sim um, so he's really looks like he's releasing this. Um, 100% free. It's a nice looking dashboard. So I've um, been playing around with this a little bit. Uh, had an old phone, I think I talked about, and got that mounted and been playing around with SimHub a little bit. So um, pretty neat uh, looking dashboard. It's kind of hard to find something that maybe has an all in one, but this one looks to be pretty good. So definitely going to check it out. Well, this one is a little bit unique that it's specifically for endurance racing, GTP uh, car. He's going to have a version for GT3 car as well and general road racing. But this particular one is for the GTP class. And the way he described it is the data that's presented is very specific for endurance racing, the kind of data that you would want and compared to a regular dash that most people already run. Now, I haven't had a chance to try this yet, but SimHub is awesome. I can't tell you enough about SimHub. All right, uh, Brian, more Beast of Media reviews. 
Yeah, so this time uh, Will got his hand on a Solapec Spectra XR formula wheel. Um, it's a really, really nice formula wheel. It's got the maybe the biggest um, LCD screen on any formula wheel you can see, find out there. Um, and, and Will Ford just raved about it. It's just uh, thought it was just one of the best formula wheels he's ever used. So uh, couldn't couldn't give it a better review. Um, and just from the looks at it, it's it's just beautiful. Um, you know, it's a formula wheel. Uh, it's got plenty of buttons around the fingers, uh, rotators on the thumbs, um, rotator dials underneath the LCD screen. It's it's a it's a really nice wheel. Holy cow! I, when I saw this, it's like eye candy. I, I I posted this in the chat, and I'm like, dude take my money. Like if I was buying a wheel today, this would be the wheel. There's that. I mean, if you stack this up against the Gomez, which was 1200, this is 1500. This one night and day, just the look of it looks better. And I think it's the big screen. It's a big old five inch screen. Um, and I don't think we've seen one that big yet on these, on these. And I, it just makes it stand out uh, against the competition. I just love this wheel. That's the first thing you see if you look at the thumbnail is the size of the screen. Yeah. And Will Ford, he said, quote, I will put it up there with the best of the best. And that is saying something from somebody who does this for a living, um, who's literally put his hands on every wheel out there. For him to say that, I mean, that's a big, big compliment. Um, so uh, kudos to Solpec. Um, I don't know exactly where they're located, but they got something nice here. They really do. I think it's also that giant, uh, the, the even the RPM LEDs across the top, you know, is, is kind of overplayed even. And I don't know, it's just, uh, it's, got a, it's got a neat look with it, the carbon fiber, the color schemes. Yeah, this this one makes me wish I wasn't in VR if I was freezing it, because I would hate to have this and not be able to see it. Look, if you're buying a, a high-end formula wheel, you got to consider this Solpec um, for sure. And I bet you you're going to pick it over some of these others. Like this compares to, like I said, the Gomez, probably the Cube controls, like the CSX3, um, kind of like what I have, but with the one with the screen. But again, it's a much bigger screen, so I, I, I don't know if that's the only reason it's better, but uh, it's got a great look. All right, we'll, we'll kind of collectively take this one. Quest 2 is taking a price cut. It's now reduced to 249 for the 120 gigabyte or 128 gigabyte and 299 for the 256 gigabyte. And what's uh, interesting on here also is that when we have a screenshot of the article off of the uh, whichever website this came off of. And it says that this is also the beginning of the end for the Meta VR headset. Yeah, they're not putting out new ones. They're not going to put out the next version. This is the end of the line. Yeah, so they have the three out right now. So this is like uh, the last generation of the uh, Meta quest um but my son has this and it's a for for two 249 i mean that's a really great deal um you know there's there's better headsets out there now but you know if if you don't need the the best of the best um this one has is not bad at all it's, it's a, not a bad unit or maybe you're the kind of vr racer that you want a backup you know for when something goes wrong 
this is a pretty inexpensive way to have a backup unit. All right, the next one is definitely right up Mike's wheelhouse because it's talking about the same change you made to your wheel base. Yeah, Nixon Motorsports on his YouTube channel, he decided to swap out his Fanatec DD2 with a new SemiCube 2 Pro. And uh, he has an Alpine track racer uh, cockpit. He describes the change, um, why he did it, what he thinks about it basically anyone who does this it's hard to put into words and and so he uses a lot of terms like it just feels better you know i I can feel more you know it it seems to be better i mean and and that's kind of the what i took away from it he's happy with the result um but yeah staying right in the same zone we have a simu2 SimuCube 2 Pro Unbox from Danny Moffat. Brian. Yeah, so um, Danny Moffat, if you remember last week, he has been doing a series of Fanatec uh, customer service problem videos. Um, the very last one that he he made um, before the one that we're gonna we have later in the script is that he had to send back his second um, Fanatec DD1 base uh, because it was not not recognizing his wheel hub. So um, I'm assuming he didn't say this, but I'm assuming he said I've had enough of it. I'm buying a SimiCube 2 Pro, and that's what he did. So in this video, he uh, unboxes it. Uh, after the last one that I saw, he he was it was I felt sorry for the guy. He was so sad in his uh, review of the uh, fan attack problems. He seemed so depressed. Um, but to see him how happy he was when he opened this up and started playing with it and and getting it uh, you know getting it set up and look checking it all out. You know he didn't set it up. He didn't actually run it in this video. It's just an unboxing. But it was just so nice to see him have a good moment after the last video I saw him in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, He's had some trouble. Now he has a wheelbase he will not have trouble with. Uh, I see he's also got a Q-Control F Pro sitting there, the same wheel I have. But I think I I really liked his reaction when he pulled it out of the box. He's like got to put two hands on it because it's so heavy. It's so small but it's like ultra heavy. Um, It's almost like a big piece of lead. Yes, I'll tell you what, I'm going to spoil the video later down in the script because he does put out a um, a part four of his Fanatec uh, customer service issue. So apparently Fanatec has checked out his video and surprise, surprise, somebody got back to him really quick. Um, and uh, they um, they expedited his uh, his the service on his unit. He sent it back. He got it back in a few days and it was working. So. But, you know, every the problem is, you know, this is somebody who's got a channel who, who reviews stuff and people are watching it and Fanatec is responding to that. They're not going to they're not still not responding to this just everyday customer. You know, if he if he didn't have a YouTube channel, he probably would still be waiting on that second unit to come back. So. Um, so, you know, this, although I'm glad that he got that problem taken care of, this doesn't absolve all the problems Fanatec has had. And uh, you know what he said? He said, I'm sticking with the SimiCube, even though he got the new one back. So he's still happy no matter what. All right. Brad, is it the bargain of the century? 
We got a Dave Cam review. Yep. So Dave Cam reviews the race gear three pedal set. Um, and I looked at this and uh, didn't catch the whole video, but looking at the website, um, so the pedals are, are pretty competitive as far as pricing goes. Um, looked at it. Uh, the I think the the brakes about 120 kilo load cell so um, comes in right around the, the 450 500 uh, probably dollar mark so from a low end I would say a lower price not necessarily low end stuff but um, you know a, as a good entry level he seemed to be pretty happy with with the uh, the pedal set yeah I mean I think he said when he was in a race in the in the middle in the midst of the battle. Uh, he didn't realize that he was running the pedals, and that's what counts. I mean, they just work as they should, and and he didn't have a problem with them at all once he got used to them. But yeah, if you want a good deal on a you know a load cell pipe pedal, this is a good deal. All right, who needs one butt kicker when you can have fourteen built into your seat, Brian? Yeah, this is um, a new uh, sim racing seat from Recaro. Um, it's a uh, it's um, a haptic feedback seat with transducers transducers in it. It's got 14 individual, they call them meta haptics, which um, I'm, I'm just assuming are um, of LMP or uh, low frequency vibrator type of devices, like, like Dave said, like a, um, a butt kick or a miniature version of it. But uh, 14 of them throughout the, seat, throughout the seat. So a lot of different areas of feedback. Um, and I did see, uh, you know, some people said that, you know, it gives very precise and very minute detail. So, um, you know, it's it's uh, you you get the smaller detail as well as well as some of the more intense type of feelings. And uh, and some of the reviewers have been saying that that really makes a good feel for what your car is doing. Looking at the link for this, it's a lot of money for a seat. It's a thousand dollars. Yeah, Recaro. Yeah, they they're really high end sim. But think uh, about they have motion it, sim. It, is that just for the seat, or does that include the haptics? It includes the haptics. Okay, so we buy fourteen butt kickers. Or G seat. The G seat has four. Now it's a little different. They're 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 panels that move as opposed to vibrating haptics. But you know that's what two grand I think it is. Three, four, three. All right, I take yeah. it back. <laughs> now they sell pads remember, that have these kind of things in them that you set and sit in the seat and sit on the pad. But this is a little different because it's like literally built in, and you kind of wonder when sim manufacturers are really going to get in the business of of selling seats that have this stuff just built in. You know, um, obviously Ricardo's one of the first. All right. Do any of you have wheel problems as far as the grip wearing down? No. Well, if you do, <laughs> if you do, there's a place that you can get buy replacement grips. It's called uh, Pineapple Grips, and uh, they I looked through their site. They have replacement grips for a lot of different of the more um, common wheels. All the Fan Fanatex Formula wheels have replacement grips. You can get different colors that you want to you can select, um, and they show you um, how to take it apart to um, to replace them too. So that's really nice. Um, yeah. So it's uh, I think they're running about fifty bucks for most of the grips um for the formula wheel on the fanatec that's the one i looked at and uh so yeah so you can even if you're not worn out if you want just to change a color to match certain things uh yeah here you go this is the way to do it 
yeah, that's what it's really about is changing the color. They got bright orange, red, yellow, purple, yellow. Um, but they also have these, um, uh, what do they call them? Wheel skins for the Asatec wheels. And they, the skins are almost like, I don't know, a sticker that you put over the carbon fiber on the front. And you've got like a, like a neon camouflage on this wheel. And it looks pretty sharp. It's kind of a neat look. They've also got some neat things in the pipeline that I've seen on some Facebook. Are you cut out there, Bobby? You said there's something on Facebook they're doing? Yeah, the they're making a replacement for the Fanatec wheel where actually makes it slightly wider with a little bit bigger grips. So if you have bigger hands, it might be a little bit easier to use. All right. This one we must have just almost got to last week because I, I remembered it, but I guess we didn't actually talk about it. Uh, wow. Uh, Mike, I'm going to let you read, read that name. Well, we got a post in the forums. I'm not going to read the name, but uh, what's interesting about it, though, is David Tucker from staff uh, replied and um Basically, the question was, hi, David, I'm looking to buy the SimMagic HPR. Could you answer one question? I was thinking about using one HPR on the brake for ABS, as iRacing will not provide traction control data for the HPR on the throttle. Will the, will the support you are working on support two HPRs independently for brake and throttle? In this case, I would order two. And so he's talking about those rumble, or rumble packs that you put on the pedals. Um, and I think, you know, our friend John Curley, uh, got one of those. Usually in your throttle right. pedal, you're going to, you're, you're supposed to feel wheel slip. There's not really anything you feel in the throttle when, when your traction control kicks in that the throttle doesn't push back up or anything in a real car. When ABS kicks in, you can actually feel the brake pedal push back against you. Right. But nothing happens to the car. Nothing happens to the throttle when TC activates. So here's the response from David Tucker. Quote, I'm not sure where we will land. I have something stubbed into the sim, but currently don't have anything but wheel slip and ABS to drive these with. Ideally, I would like to have time to add in traction to the mix and possibly even separate things out per pedal. But I also have other projects coming up that would take me away from this in a few weeks. I would not buy anything based on what I could potentially do in the future. So it's a, okay, maybe, not yet. Well, he hasn't programmed the sim for these rumble packs is what he's basically saying. He's, there's some rudimentary uh, telemetry that's driving them for the people that have them, but there's so much more that he can do with these. You know, have uh, in the options in the sim, clutch, brake, you know, throttle, and then you could program what data is feeding to those kind of thing. Um, yeah, it'd be pretty cool if, uh, once he gets that out. All right, Brian, I know you just got a shifter, but this guy just unboxed one. Yeah, this is a Sim Racing Corner. He unboxes the Hori. I'm say, hope I'm saying that right. It's H-O-R-I. I'm going with Hori. Seven speed shifter with sequential mode attached available to it. So um, this is not definitely not on the high end of type of shifter. It's a clamp on desk type like the old uh, um, like the old Logitech used to be, the G27 shifter, or you just clamp it onto your desk. Um, and he uh, he goes through some of the um, unboxing, plays with the uh, with the handle on it, and moves it around. Shows you how well it works. It's got a uh, it's got a 
tighten their attentioner on it, which um, um, he shows you shows increasing attention on it. It changes the sound on it a little bit when uh, when you do that, um, but doesn't seem to affect anything. And then he uh, switches it over to sequential mode, and everything looks like it's working pretty well. So. It's a budget shifter by by all means, but um, still looks like it would definitely get the job done. Eighty-eight bucks on Amazon, and it does sequential and eight shifting. Uh, I don't know if you could mount this to a rig, though. I mean, I, you'd have to finagle it because it's literally got a, a desk clamp. It reminds me of the old G twenty-five shifter. Yep. Yep, I had one too. <laughs> we probably all started off with one of those. Yeah, I had the yeah. I had the twenty seven, and and I actually when I got my base, um, kept it, and got a little adapter and ran that before I I ended up buying this shifter. That one lasted longer than the Fanatec one did, as far as when it started messing up, though it didn't have sequential. And we have another wheelbase entering the market, Mike. Can you believe it? VNM. Uh, we have Alan Kwan and his YouTube chat channel, Dr. Alan Kwan. He uh, was sent by uh, VNM the uh, handbrake, uh, their formula wheel, which, by the way, looks like a carbon copy knockoff of the Cube Control F Pro, um, and a wheelbase. Uh, now, the wheelbase has a unique look to it. Uh, it, it looks more industrial, kind of like the Semi-Cube 2, but it's got a roundish shape to it instead of a rectangle, um, roundish edges and so forth. Uh, quite small, and um, it's a prototype at this point. Now, he doesn't actually uh, run the, the wheel in this video. He talks more about uh, the other, the actual formula wheel and the handbrake, and then there'll be a future videos about the direct drive uh, base itself. So we don't have a lot of detail on it yet. All uh, right. The wheel though, pretty, pretty nice. And I don't know the pricing yet. So that's more to come as well. Well, Brad, what kind of details do we get from this SIM facility tour? Yeah. So Daniel Morad went and visited, I think it's advanced SIM racings. Um, uh, facility and um, I, I got through most of this. I didn't get through all of it, but it was pretty neat. I mean, they he works his way through some different setups. Um, you know, they've basically got samples, of, I guess, demos of stuff running from uh, setups that are more, uh, I think they said arcade versus full sim. You know, to where they're producing these full sets um, for for people to buy. Uh, a lot of um, I think you know companies buy it. I mean, talking about you know setups that are running twenty, thirty thousand dollars. So um, it's pretty neat. Like I said, unfortunately, I didn't get all the way through the video, but uh, I know that they've he rebuilt his complete rig. Um, I did watch that. I guess about a month or so ago, and everything he's got was from Advanced Sim Racing. So it was uh, it was pretty neat, though. Yeah, it is neat to see behind the scenes of this company. They have a massive warehouse where they they have all the stuff and and put it together and they have a, a lounge area to entertain uh, customers and guests uh, in fact he mentioned uh, companies can actually rent the lounge area and have little events there with uh, simulators available to race on and uh, it's a really big facility i can't believe how big the warehouse is it's massive 
All right, we have an Instagram post from Podium One Racing, and it's some really nice rigs by them, and they're thanking uh, Kane Brown for trusting this, trusting them him with their racing simulators. So I'm guessing based on that, this is his place because it's like a garage, like like a car garage, and a basketball court. And at first, I was thinking, what is this, Danny Danny Hamlin's place? Yeah, I don't know this guy. I think he's a country music singer. Yeah, he's very famous and rich. So it's Denny Hamlin like. Right, he's he's like Denny because he's famous and rich, and he, but he bought uh, two podium rigs uh, side by side, and he's got a nice little room for them and everything. It looks like they're triple fifty fives. I mean, the mat and I just every time I see these screens, I'm like, that's my next project. But the rigs themselves, I mean, are super nice. He's got a red one. He's got a black one. The red one's really nice, eighty twenty, all motion. Got all the best stuff on it. Uh, these guys out of Nashville, um, Chandler Welling, who runs Podium Racing. They have just taken off in the last year and a half. They they have so many people buying stuff from them and paying big money for these rigs. It's worth noting that the uh, float the monitors are free floating, and these are motion rigs. So you would probably want to do the gyro setting type settings like you use in that situation. He's got yeah. the Recaro seats too. I don't know if they're, it does. I can't tell if they're the ones with the haptics on it, but it's. We already know that Recaro, even their regular seat, is not not cheap. That's what I'm saying. The way that this guy does it is he literally buys the best sim racing equipment there is, puts it together, even and sometimes even uh, powder coats it uh, a special color. He puts his logos on it and then he resells them. But it's a it's a you know a, a white glove service like this country music star he orders it he doesn't set it up himself chandler and his boys they fly into this location they they ship the stuff in they personally set it up tune it and everything and so the customer doesn't have to do anything all right rigs rigs and more rigs we've got a track racer rig posted from lawrence de Sosua. okay so L lawrence was at the sim expo sim formula expo i think it's called and the track racer booth they're showing off some of their prototypes of upcoming equipment for 2024 track racer is all in guys they have a formula wheel they have a wheelbase a direct drive wheelbase they have their own freaking monitor like you can buy the monitor and on the monitor it says track racer Shifters and handbrake. Everything. I'm guessing those are load cell pedals. Formula wheel, round wheels, uh, oval wheels. Yeah. So they, a lot of the stuff that they were showing was all prototypes, but uh, looks kind of interesting. Um, somebody who's got a track racer rig, um, stuff looks pretty nice. But again, it's just more we, options. More options. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous how many options there are now. So, what do you think about sim racing companies? Uh, branding a monitor you know so everything is track racer I, I just think that's a little bit over the top are they actually manufacturing the monitor or are they or are they just well absolutely not if, if you know about monitors at all in the production of them there's only like two or three uh, countries in the world that actually make them i think 
Yeah, that's they're not going to be building their own in-house monitors. They're buying them and rebranding them. I guess the question is for the sticker: how much is worth the uh, markup worth? Look, they also even have gaming headsets, like a uh, earphones with a microphone. Uh, and they have the whole nine yards they're they're bringing out. So I, it's kind of a neat business idea by Track Racer to say, look, you know, we sell all this equipment. Let's sell everything the customer needs. So we're a one-stop shop, like like kind of like Podium Racing is, where you literally buy everything, including the headphones, from the same source: the monitor, the 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 wheelbase, the wheel, the pedals, the rig, you name it. They're looking for a fully turnkey setup, fully branded by them in-house. Right. Now, they also announced the wheelbase will have two versions, 6 uh, Newton meter and then 12 Newton meter. Well, since you mentioned Newton meter, Brian, does more Newton meter make you faster? Okay, so um, this is a YouTube video put out by Third Wheel Exclusive, and he basically asks if boosting the amount of force feedback nanometers that a wheel puts out makes you any faster. Um, so it looks like he bought the uh, Fanatec uh, upgrade kit for the CSLTD that um, that increases the um, force on that particular wheel, and uh, he. He uh, he tests it both at both ways out, and uh, basically comes out with comes out with the conclusion that we would have thought that no, it doesn't make you faster. It might give you better uh, input, better um, yeah from the sim, but it doesn't necessarily make you faster. And we've we've known that we've seen guys who run on on Logitech's with no force feedback who who are the top of the top of the game in i racing. So uh, yeah, it doesn't make you faster necessarily. It, it's more of a feel thing than anything. Well, where it does help me, especially on the oval side, is if I have a tendency to oversteer and and turn around and get loose in, on entry, I, I, I increase the force feedback. That's one of the things that I do just to prevent me from being able to turn the wheel as far. So I, I feel an advantage there. Yeah, I would agree oh, yeah. when it comes to catching slides and stuff like that. Yeah, I agree as well. Uh, the force, like... When you go to turn the wheel too much, as David describes, if you have the you know force feedback at 100% and it's super strong, it's hard to turn the wheel to that point where you're turning it too much. It's like physically hard to turn it. And it, it almost prevents you from doing that. So that's what you're talking about. I want to back up, David. Uh, there was one more thing on Track Racer we skipped over. They also announced, um, not at the Sim uh, Expo, but on the website this week, the TR-160S, as in Sam, racing simulator. And so uh, the TR-160 has always been their flagship cockpit. Now they have the TR-160S. Yeah, it's uh, blue, and it is pretty. <laughs> I saw this the other day, and I was like, wow, wish that was available last year. Yeah, black or blue. I do love the blue. I wonder if there's any advantage other than design of having the, the the foot side of the base be narrower. Yeah, that's the part I'm actually not a big fan of. I like the uh, the straight look. So you're saying back where the seat is, it's actually wider. The the bottom part of it's wider, and then it kind of narrows as you go towards the front. Yeah, yeah but that's, that's going to squeeze your feet in tighter. Yeah, that's the that's the big difference between. 
DS, and then because I've, I've got the the 160, and it's, it's they're straight frame rails the whole way. So the seat wide, the seat area is actually wider. It's not that the front's narrower. If that's the case, then it's uh, at least it's not cramping you. But yeah, otherwise they would have to redesign all the wheel wheel decks and the pedal plates and everything else. Yep, looking, yep. yeah, just looking at it, it does look like the the seat area is wider. But I don't know if that would make much of a difference. To be honest with you, it doesn't show a shifter mount, but you can order one with it. So it's probably just a. It's trying to make a, a unique design, but still be functional. What else has changed here, Brad, uh, from the original unit to this one? So on the original, if you look like on on the picture here, where you've got the four, uh, I guess the grooves on the inside. That's the same thing on the outside on the original TR160, to where it looks like on this one, all you've got is the top and the bottom one. And my only concern there is from a mounting standpoint um would limit you what you can attach to the to the frame rails exactly i mean i i like the look of the smooth you know look and you can put a sticker on it and brand it but to your point what if you wanted to stick say four actuators on this and go motion there's nowhere to bolt them well, and that's the thing i've got like my power supply units bolted to the side away from it facing out of that you know the room that's next to the wall now you lose a lot of those options and actually i think sim labs their new chassis is a similar so i think they're just following that direction yep yeah it's the new thing but i to, to that point i don't know if i like it you know i, I know i, like I have those rails yeah i want options i want to be able to mount the power supply on the outside of the the rig yeah, that's I mean, the same with the S-curve. It makes it harder now to mount a uh, a bar coming down to add accessories on the side. I mean, you could do like I did. You know, you've got the rails on the outside. And if you, you know, I went back and put some of the red striping in different spots. But, you know, and, and I'm thinking about adding some more color to it. But if I need to remove it, I can remove it if I want to mount something. it's about that time let's roll into results yeah let's jump to results we got the winter league brad p19 yeah um it just didn't go the way i wanted it to i felt like i had pretty good speed um beginning of the race and got caught up a little bit ended up with a little bit of damage and then um i was okay with there that 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 first run we had after that yellow um Got real aggressive trying to get back up through the through the, the field and, and burn my tires off and uh the first green flag pit stop we had i have not i haven't raced at kansas in years and uh i came in way too hot and completely blew <laughs> blue pit road i went in the grass and ended up with a, a i think a minute and 10 seconds penalty so ended up being three laps down and from that point on it was just kind of just finished the race so uh finished 19 just not not a good night but it is what it is and then uh, my run, I basically got wrecked in the first caution. I uh, couldn't miss it. Um, three and a half minutes damage. And just kind of limped it around after that. Um, when we had the green flag stop, I, I did alternate strategy. I basically stayed out and ran it out of fuel while everyone else uh, kind of short pitted it. Um, cycled my way as high as second place during that 
with my damaged car. But that was the highlight of my race. Uh, I think I finished 17th maybe after all was said and done. I don't remember. I think there's a bounty out on us because every race, one of us is knocked out in an early wreck, if there's an early wreck. Yeah, it's all been racing incidents lately, though. Yeah, yeah it's been... It, it, yes, they've been all accidents and we're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. We're not even actually in the initial contact, right? It's just, it, it, oh, some, some supernatural being has placed a hex upon us or something. I don't know. Um, I do know Greg finished, I guess, a little bit in front of you, but somewhere in the teens as well. He tried pitting really early on what was basically a hundred lap run. It was actually longer than that, but it effectively after green flag stops, we had a hundred laps to go. Gonna have to pit again. He split it into 40 laps and 60 laps. And that was, that just had him, he actually blew his tire out. In fact, he, he pulled a mic and, and got the meatball for the tire. Cause it just wore the tire out too much. I, I was, uh, he would some laps. Yeah, he did lead some laps, but uh, there, there's no bonus points for that anymore. Um, I finished P8. Uh, I guess I kept that was I just ran as fast as I could run, tried to stay clean, and and uh, kept moving up as people kept making mistakes until it or it was over. And it was actually P9. It wasn't P8. I think. All right, and then let's talk Justin, our teammate. Uh, who hasn't been on the show recently. He's been uh, running NIS Winter Series, North Wilkesboro Open. I did a total of two races, a P6 and a P2, really solid races. Track position over tires was the key, I think. In the fixed series, it was kind of a roller coaster. First race, I had a P26, made it to 20 to go with a zero X and got junk. The second fixed race I did was a little bit better result, took the lead 30 to go and never looked back. P1, winner, winner, chicken dinner, at the end of the week, I'm leading the Open Series by 30 points and leading the Fixed Series by three points. Dover next week, trying to get Team Tifosi another NIS championship. Wish me luck. Well done, Justin. I, I, one one uh, thing that really points out how uh, he's point racing, he got that P2. He jumps out of the car, he pulls up the results, and and it wasn't even enough points to, you know, to uh, advance his points for the week uh, uh, because he was in a lower split. And so it's all about being in a higher split just to get as many points as you possibly can. And it was a little frustration, frustrated, you know, for him to be able to finish P2 and, and not really gain any points. Yeah, P6 in a, in a higher split is, is gonna be drastically higher than P2. In. in a lower one right exactly okay so my racing what i did this week supercars at michigan hosted chris mcguire guess what winner winner chicken dinner i i freaking won it uh real proud of that 87th at talladega got wrecked out then it was gen 5 at daytona one of my favorites i came from the back to finish p5 a great race i think another couple laps i might have won it i just ran out of time uh, then we ran IndyCar at Indy. It was kind of nice to get back into IndyCar. I had a nice, respectable finish of P10. Uh, one thing I noticed at Indianapolis was the sticker on the outside wall coming out of four that shows the Indy logo is missing. 
Um, so when you come out of the corners at Indy on two and four, there's a big Indy logo on the wall. And, and so when I go for the apex, I actually look for that logo and I point my car at it is what I do. And so when I came out of four the first time, the logo's not there. So I think they forgot to add it. So that, so when, when Indy left, they removed all those logos off the walls. They removed the logos off the tire sidewalls. And so uh, last week they went in and added all that stuff back in, but I think they missed the one on turn four. Uh, then I ran supercar at Michigan with teammate John uh, Kearney. Uh, we were mixing it up in a huge pack of four and five wide green flags uh, and everything. But uh, we ended up getting wrecked out at the end. Super fun uh, supercars at Michigan. I mean, these huge packs, nobody's wrecking you're in the middle of it you're jockeying around damage is turned off it's just so much fun anyway john and i had a great time with that then i ran 87 that talladega i got wrecked out at the end then gen 5 at daytona and i was running p2 with two to go in a lap car purposely wrecked the field like the leaders like everybody like he waited on the back stretch he pulled up on the track right as we were coming by uh, all the admins in the room are like, who was that? He's getting on the blacklist. He's never gonna be in here again. Uh, then I ran uh, some official uh, SRF at Oren Park. Um, started P6, finished P3, I'll take that. And then finally pick up cup at Phoenix P11. Okay, Brad, uh, your roar. Yeah, so started uh, P17, ended up finishing P13 in class, uh, was P23 overall. Um, I messaged, I think, you guys in the in the chat that was was rather weird. So GT4 class, it was just a, uh, it was LMP2 and, or LMP3, whichever, LMP3 um, and GT4 split only. But GT, GT4 SOF was like 1800 and the... SOF for the LMP3 was like seven something. So uh, first two laps was nothing but LMP3 spinning off the track. And um, so once they started to come back up through and one of them just threw himself right in the mix of us going into the bus stop and ended up getting front end damage, nose, uh, nose damage, rear end damage at no speed up on the, uh, up on the NASCAR track. Um, so finally got to the time where we had to make pit stops and did not realize I come in and I'm like the second stall on the left and I just completely blew by it. So and we go all the way around, um, you know, ended up losing a bunch of spots there. So uh, the way the stops worked out, didn't need a lot of fuel um, after for the second pit stop. So went ahead and tried to, to jump some spots uh, by pitting early. Uh, then ended up looping it coming out of the horseshoe. Um, never had gotten loose at all there so probably just pushing too hard so at that point it was just hunkered down and uh just tried to finish it clean but had a good time uh it was fun it's the first one of those i've done in many many years but uh look forward to doing it again uh next year and it really uh you know kind of whet the appetite uh for this coming weekend that's why i would definitely like to see him at least on the on the lower splits and you know leave maybe a few of the top splits alone for for being up there on the special events but when you get if you get that drastic of a different strength of field um move those lmp3s down and put them put them with the same speed or the same skill level uh gt cars 
Yeah, and I was really shocked because I, I don't know. I guess I would have thought, regardless of class, the you know the strength of field would have been somewhat equal across both of them. So, um, and it was complained about a lot in the you know in the split, a lot of talk about it. So, um, like I said, just kind of really frustrating. There's a critical mass with the I rating. You get usually your 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 good drivers if you get above a thousand on the roadside they're at least confident and 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 they've they've are no longer um for the most part making completely bonehead moves a lot of those guys down there it's probably their first time and they've gone they have not gone through any being on the gt side first i actually ran gt3 for a, a whole first season and i'm pretty sure that was back before you could fast track even right before ever getting into the any bigger cars and I don't, I don't know how you enforce that or you make somebody qualify that way if it's a whole different kind of ladder. But in in multi-class racing, you really should run run the little car first. Yeah, and that's, I mean, it's, I mean, Dave, you've done a bunch of IMSA this year more than I have this this season. But yeah, you know, I was happy they moved that to a class A because I, I hope, I think it's cleaned it up a little bit. Let's jump to final thoughts. David Hall, clean it up. Uh, that's what I want us to do when we uh, go Saturday. Just run it clean. Um, it's funny during practice, everybody's like, well, what do you think is an acceptable lap time? Or, or they're asking, and I'm just like, no, no, no. Here's your acceptable lap time. Uh, no 4X, no 2X. That's your acceptable lap time. All right, keep it on the pavement, right? I think the big thing I need this week uh, when I drive is I need somebody screaming, Cold tires, cold tires, cold tires for the first lap. Because I, in practice racing, or in our practices, I, that's where I was always make the boneheaded move is that that outlap. And you've got right. to also set your traction control. You've got to yeah, set that up, up, configure that, and run it high on the first two laps. Way high. Like almost extreme. Good point. All right, Brian McCubbin, final thought. Yeah, same thing. Really looking forward to this weekend. Uh, we got the derps and the Terp in the Mercs uh, coming up. Uh, uh, the Mercedes we're driving. Um, really looking forward to this. It's it's such a fun event. It's such a great team building event and a camaraderie event as well. You know, when you when you wrap something like this up, you know, you it's it's like you have a your relationship changes a little bit with with your teammates uh you you form a stronger bond your friendship uh, it gets strengthened it's, it's just a great event and i can't can't recommend it enough even for guys like me who are not typical road racers you know just to go out there have fun and uh and and you know be on the team and be a part of something it's really cool all right, and then Brad Wren, final thought. You were adding our new teammate, Brian, I think, to your roster just today. Yeah, so it looks like we're probably going to pick up two. Uh, McKenzie couldn't make it, so we're going to add, and it looks like Brian Curry and uh, Kyle. I can't remember Kyle's last name. apologize, Kyle. So uh, that should be fun. We're going to run the Ferrari. Um, going to have, it looks like, five guys that have never done an endurance race uh, before, so going to have a bunch of virgins out there um and it should be fun so that's what it's all about all right and then my final thoughts uh yeah i i got a video coming on the next podcast that we didn't get to today about SimHub, and SimHub has a new plugin that somebody has designed for ambient lighting 
And so before the show today, I actually set up or reconfigured my ambient lighting to work through SimHub. And I was very pleasantly surprised with the result. Um, before, when I configured uh, the ambient lighting, you're all doing it in the Hue app, the Philips Hue app on your phone. And it's pretty hard to dial it in, so to speak. Um, they give you like a big box that you can drag across the screen where you want the uh, lights to mimic. Um, but with this new SimHub plugin, you can actually uh, configure all your lights independently. You, you can uh, map out where on the screen they're being fed from. Um, and it's a lot more user-friendly. The other big uh, win is profiles. Because it's SimHub, I can take this first setup I did and call it the Ferrari. And then later tonight, I'm going to go into Daytona and make a profile for the Cadillac GTP. And so, uh, and then you can use SimHub to switch between the two profiles. And so the lighting can be in a different configuration, you know, depending on what car you're on. And so really, really happy with whoever came up with that SimHub plugin and looking forward to, uh, to basically trying to dial in that lighting even more. And with that, hey, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.